0: Alrighty, I'm uh, not going to deny to you this morning is another one like last week. It's a very difficult thing for me to separate what we're going to be looking at here in Hebrews chapter 3 from what I'll be preaching on in the next service. Those of you who the Lord has blessed, you'll notice a great correlation between these two services because it's, it's all about the same thing. It's all about our Christ. It's all about our witness. Our profession. Look with me if you would once again at Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 and I think I think we'll move on after this week uh, from chapter 3 verse 1. I think we'll move on after this but this first verse is, it's just been so full. Wherefore, because of. Holy brethren, we're holy in the sight of God. Not this flesh. Not this person that walks before you. Not this one who we look at in the mirror every morning. In the flesh, but in the spirit. Our spirit is perfect. We're in Christ. We were in him when he walked this earth. We were in him when he went to the cross and shed his blood. We're in him right now as he sits on his throne. We're holy and we're brethren. We're partakers. We're brethren in Christ. I call you brothers and sisters. i got to be honest with you. I love some of you more than I do my own family. Some of my own family is tough to love. Tough to love. Brethren, partakers, joint heirs of he- of the heavenly calling. And we all know that's what we were called by the power of God through the heavenly calling. Consider it says next, and this is our subject for this morning. Consider. Stop and ponder for just a moment. Close your eyes if you want to if that's what it takes. Ponder what the Lord who this who this one the Lord Jesus is. It says Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Now, there's there's several points here, but you can actually turn this scripture around a little bit to understand it a little better. Now, it's not changing the word of God. We're taking the word of God because sometimes the Lord says something here and he'll say something else just before to clarify it before he even said the first thing. So, it's just turning things around a little bit to understand. It's to consider, and, and just consider Jesus Christ. Isn't that what our message is? That's what the word profession is. Who do you and I profess? Who do we witness about in our lives as we walk through this world? We witness about our God. I'm telling you, you may not see it in yourself, but the world does. The world sees our witness, our profession. When we're doing something, and, and I'll, I'll use this as an example once again. You've heard me tell the story about when Kathy and I were on the motorcycles. And we were rolling through the hills of Canada, through these beautiful ice fields, is what they're called, the ice fields of Canada. Absolutely gorgeous country. Just the most beautiful country around. We're on our motorcycles just cruising through, and I'm looking at this up here like this, and I'm looking like this. And we stop, and I'm like, Look what God has made. Now Kathy didn't know who the Lord was at that time. In fact, she got a little angry about this. She said, "Oh, Jesus, you gotta give, you gotta bring Him up every time." You, you see what I mean, though? That's common, is it not? In us, do we not give our God the credit for things that goes on in our lives? I, I'm not worried about those things going on over in Israel right now. What? What do you mean you're not worried, John? That's a war that could come right here at home. My god got it in control. That is our profession. We profess that God is God. That means he's controller of everything. He's sovereign in all things. And you cannot be a child of God and not profess that. Witness that very thing to those around you. That's why I've said many times, people who know us know who our God is. Plain and simple. Oh, you're one of those Calvinist people who believe that God is everything, don't you? Consider this one who I profess. That's, what, that's the word that God is saying to us today. Consider this one who Paul, and I believe Paul uh You know, there's a lot of dispute about who wrote the Hebrews. It doesn't matter. God has put the book of Hebrews here in the Bible as his truth. The word is inspired by him, whoever wrote it. But that's what this writer is writing. He's saying, consider, stop, if you will, for just a moment of what you're thinking and whatever it is you're thinking of in this world and consider him the one whom I profess. You know who I profess he is? I profess that he's an apostle. He's my apostle. That just means a messenger. I know you think there's only 12 apostles. At that time of the world, there were only 12. But when Christ walked this earth, he was the messenger of God. And that's what the word apostle means, messenger with power. The apostles had a certain amount of power to prove who they were. Christ has all power. So he's the messenger from God. We know that to be so. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1 we read God at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom he has also made the world. Consider this one Christ. This one who is my apostle that I profess him to be. He is my high priest. Consider him who is my apostle, my high priest, the one that I profess to you to be. We read, consider Christ the messenger, the apostle, the high priest of our profession. Christ, folks, Christ was sent here with a message. Was he not? Did he not come here with a message? Look over at John chapter 17. Mark your spot there in Hebrews. Turn over to John chapter 17. What does our Lord say in his priestly prayer in John chapter 17? Look at these words with me, beginning at uh, chapter 17, verse 6. Beginning at verse 6. Our Lord, praying to his Father, God the Father, the great three in one, he says, I have manifested, that means proclaimed. This is the message. He came with a message. I have proclaimed thy name unto thee. Did you notice that? This is, a, this is our Lord declaring that who he manifested his name to. And it wasn't to the world. It was to the men which thou gavest me. Does that not coincide with all that the Father giveth me shall come to me? I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were and thou gavest me them and thou gavest them me and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. Who's the message from? The message is from God. God the Father, who says in verse 8, For I have given unto them the words, the message, which thou gavest me, and they have received. That word them is not in the original language. They have received and have known surely that I came out of from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. So we see here this message that the Lord came with, is God's word, God from the Father. Now turn over to Hebrews chapter 9, and let's see what what it is. What is the message? Consider, if you will, the message that he came with. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 9. I'll try not to spend too much time on it, because I want to dive deep into this when we come to this in our studies. Right now we're in Hebrews chapter 3. Lord willing, there'll be some great time between now and then. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 10, and let's begin at verse 9. What was the message that Christ came to the world with? What was the message that he came here, sent of the Father, to give to those that the Father hath given him? Verse 9, Hebrews 10, verse 9. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. This is the message. Christ was sent here to deliver a message that he was here for a reason. He came here to do something. He didn't just come to the world to hang out for a bit with us. He came here purposefully. Remember what we said a moment ago? What I have purposed, I shall do it. What did Christ purpose? He purposed to save a people, did he not? Shall he not save that people? That statement we have, I have put up in there, that statement from Mike Lovelace that he wrote. If your God is trying, your minister is lying, your pastor is lying, that is true, folks. If you're not preaching about the true and living God, the one with all power who does what he wants with his creation as he wants to, then you're not preaching about the true living God. He said, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He hath taken away the first. That was the first covenant. The covenant of works, the covenant of works that drove men to see their true sin, that he may establish the second. Well, what's the second? The second is grace. God's grace and his love to his people. By the which will we are sanctified. It's by his grace that we are sanctified, made holy. By this one who is coming, this one whom we profess. This one who brought a message to you and I through the offering of his body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Here's the message. Now remember, this is, a, this is our apostle. We, we, we profess him as our apostle, as our messenger, but he's also the message. He's the messenger, and that's the message is that we need a high priest. You can't enter into the holiest of holies with anything you have done. You can't get into heaven on your works, on your decision, on what you have done in this flesh. You need something perfect to get in there. That's what our high priest has entered into the Holy of Holies to do, to present his perfect, righteous blood that paid for the sins of his people. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Verse 11. And every priest standeth daily ministering. That's talking about priests of the flesh, mankind, and offering sometimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins, but this man. Here's the message. This is what the picture of the high priest is. The message of what he is going into the holiest of holies. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice, what did the priest go in with? With blood, with the sacrifice, for sins forever set down on the right hand of God. Verse 13, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. In John 10, verse 11, we read this. The Lord says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. That's the message. That's what the picture of a high priest is. Those high priests didn't go into what was called the holiest of holies where no one else could go. And there was a reason no one else could go in there because none of us can go into heaven without our high priest, our representative, the one who is interceding for his people. Our Lord says, I am the good shepherd. That's your that's our message. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Now this is the message. The high priest, the one who anointed, who is anointed of God, has come into the holiest of holies, not without blood, and that precious blood, that holy, righteous, precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is sprinkled on the seat, and where is the seat of mercy? It's in the holiest of holies, right now, sitting on his throne. Folks, this is our profession. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Is that not a good song? Is that that I can say that you know, Pastor Gene? I used to laugh. We'd all kind of give a little giggle when he said, "That's my favorite song." You know, I I know what he means. Do you? Do you know what that means? This is my favorite song. Oh, when the Lord takes the words of a hymn and applies it to my heart, whether it be "Amazing Grace," whatever the song might. be. But when he applies it to our heart, it makes it our favorite, doesn't it? You're musicians, you know what I mean. <laughs> when he sprinkles that blood on the mercy seat, we see the picture, the message that God's justice has been satisfied, God's people have been redeemed, his blood that he enters into the holiest of holies with, redeems those that he has loved from before the world was, redeeming his people to the fullest. Listen to Isaiah chapter 49, verse 26. And all flesh shall know that I, the Lord, am thy Savior and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One, of Jacob. This is our profession. We profess Christ and his blood shed for us. Not of anything we have done, but what he has done. Consider him. Think upon him. Think upon him. Folks, there is no other salvation other than in Christ. Look at Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1 through 14. Hebrews chapter 9. Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was gold, a was gold, the golden pot of, that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant and over it the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly, in other words, in detail. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle Accomplishing the service of God, they would go into the the first tabernacle where everybody was allowed to come in, those who wanted to come in and hear the word priest, accomplishing the services of God, as it says in verse 6, verse 7, but into the second, this is where the high priest would go. This is where the only only the high priest could go. But into the second went the high priest alone. This is our profession. Christ didn't save us with Christ plus something. He went in alone, with his blood alone. He went in alone once every year, not without blood. Now that's talking about the the picture of our true and living uh, high priest. They went in once a year, not without blood, which they offered for themselves and for the error of the people. The Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost is signifying the way that the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. Verse 10, which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and cardinal ordinances imposed on them until the time of Reformation, but Christ, verse 11, but Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not made of this build, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained. That means done. That means it is finished. That's what the Lord said on the cross. It is finished. Obtained. Having obtained. Past tense. Eternal redemption for us. For if the blood, verse 13, of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled, the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, how much will it purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? How much will it purge your conscience to turn away from the dead works that we do in this flesh and serve God by professing declaring witnessing our apostle our idol. the Lord made a covenant with his father God the father gave the son a people but this people must be redeemed sin entered into the world Man was separated from God's perfect righteousness. This people must be redeemed. Justice must be met, and Christ was faithful to the Father's desire to deliver this people from their rightly deserved death, just as Moses was faithful. Yet the Lord was better than him. Remember what this book of Hebrews is about? Remember what I said in the beginning? You can sum up the whole book of Hebrews in this way. Jesus Christ is better. Look at verse 2 of our text. Speaking of this one that we profess, this one that the writer says, consider, consider the apostle and the high priest of my profession, of our profession. This one we call Christ Jesus, verse 2 who was faithful to him that appointed him. Remember what we read in John 17? Who appointed the Lord Jesus Christ? God the Father did. He sent him with a message. He was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. Our Lord is Jehovah's faithful servant, who was, who was faithful to to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all of his house. You know why the Lord uses this here? Jews were pretty adamant about who Abraham was, who David was, these men who stood out as great men of God. Well, Moses was one also. Moses was a picture to Israel as their deliverer. God even calls him the deliverer of Egypt, of of his people in Egypt. And, And he uses Moses. And Moses was faithful in going up before and standing. Think about that for a moment. Think about what it was for Moses to stand before the king of Egypt, the one who had the power to take his life right there on the spot and tell that man, the man who people thought was a god, let God's People go. That was a faithful man to do that. That's what it's talking about here. Moses was held in high esteem. You think Moses was a faithful man? Jesus Christ is the epitome of faithfulness. Everything he does is perfect, including his faithfulness. He was faithful. He was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all of his house. Christ is God's perfect servant, completely, perfectly obedient in all things. He came and did his father's will, as we read in Romans or in Hebrews chapter 10. He came on the appointment of his father, as we read in John 17. As Moses was typical and representative of him, The point Paul is making here is the fact that Christ is far greater and more glorious than Moses is. Moses was faithful, yes, to the trust and the responsibility that God had given him. Well, so is Christ, only much, much more. Nothing can stop Christ. Moses had a lot of flaws. You and I read that now. People who don't spend a lot of time reading God's word, they think Moses was more than what he was. Israel thought. People of Israel, the Jews, thought Moses from more than a weather. Our Lord has said, as I read to you a moment ago, I am the good shepherd. He will bring all of his sheep to safety. Doesn't say he might. Doesn't mean, doesn't say that it's possible. He shall save his people. He shall not fail. Lord Jesus Christ shall accomplish all that was given to him to do. Turn over to Isaiah 42. We'll look at two scriptures, and then we'll bring this to a a close. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 42. Our Lord shall accomplish what he was sent here to do. That's the message. The message is that God sent a man, a man to redeem his people. And here in Isaiah chapter 42, we... We begin reading at verse 1, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall be not quenched. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail, nor be discouraged, till he have set judgment in the earth, and the isle shall wait for his law. That's our Lord. That's the one whom we profess. This is the faithful one that is talking about back here in our text in Hebrews. Now I want to go ahead and finish out reading chapter three. If you would join me in verses 3 through 12. For this man was counted worthy of more glory. Remember, what is the theme of this book? Christ is better. He's a better sacrifice. He's a better messenger. He's a better high priest. He's a better everything. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, insomuch as he hath builded the house, hath more honor, Than the house. Who is it that built the house? Who is it that created all things? Is it not the Lord Jesus Christ? Verse 4 For every house is builded by some man, but he that buildeth all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony to those things which were to be spoken hereafter. But Christ, as the Son over his own house, whose house are we? If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope from firm unto the end, wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation of the day of temptation in the wilderness. Remember, there are those who heard the same word of God, yet in the wilderness they turned to their own hardened hearts. Verse 9, when your fathers were tempted... They proved me and saw my works 40 years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, take heed, lest ye be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing the living God. Do you know what the unforgiving sin is? I was speaking about this with a brother just the other day. you know what the unforgiving sin is? People want to say, oh, it's this or it's that. There's only one sin that God has not provided forgiveness for. That's the sin of unbelief. Well, you say, well, my faith is so weak. struggle with my unbelief. So do I. So do I. God has given us a faith in His Son that cannot be thwarted. Kathy and I were talking about this the other day. We all have struggles in our own lives, folks, that make us doubt. How could the Lord save a person who acts like that? How do I know if I'm saved? I don't. I know whom I believe. And I know who's given me that belief. I believe God. This is our profession. Salvation is of the Lord. Believe on Him and live. Believe not. And you will die in your sin. Verse 13, but exhort one another daily while it is called today. Let any of you be hardened, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Brother or sister has called me and said, I don't know. Sin is swelled up around me like the waters of the sea against that ship that the apostles were in. Exhort one another. I know, brother or sister, what you're talking about. For I deal with it too. Exhort one another. For we are made, verse 14, partakers of Christ family, partners. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast, firmly unto the end, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, albeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But them whom was he grieved forty years, but with them but with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. This is our profession. Salvation, including your belief. It's not your decision. It's not something you made a decision for. It's not your free will. Salvation is of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Believe and live. Believe not and die.